the cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the, the green, green peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Today, welcoming Joel Sherlock, co-founder and uh, chairman of Vitalis Extraction to the show. Uh, Joel, thanks for coming on board the show. We've been having a really interesting series uh, developing so far and a lot of interesting perspectives being brought to the market. Um, participants so far have actually spanned many areas of the, of the industry, but one, nobody from extraction yet with really great insights. And the second is somebody who's been a serial entrepreneur in a, a number of areas is uh, always has great perspective. I know that's you know <laughs> my background, and it's different than somebody who's coming at it from investor bankman, uh, investment banking background or a lot of other areas. You've had a lot of experience in real estate, which actually drove you into the cannabis industry. And I say drove you into because I know from our uh, conversation over dinner, you weren't looking at joining the space. When you uh, when you got involved, you want to tell everybody a bit of that background, how you absolutely came to participate, because it opens up yeah. the doors to when opportunity knocks. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. I I've absolutely ticked that serial entrepreneur box. Um, you know, had a lot of experience in the real estate market. You know, two private equity funds, a brokerage, multiple fix and flip building development investment businesses, and. Uh, you know, as I was sharing with you over dinner, it, it, it really was. I mean, I was pulled into this industry by a real estate deal um, in in 2011. So, you know, when ultimately when people say, openly said, we'd like to lease this warehouse building you have and we'd like to turn it into a legal grow up, um, as a, you know, as a real estate guy, that was not what you wanted your buildings to be used for. So, I, uh, I I laughed and said, you know, no thanks, guys. Um, but they had a letter from the mayor and a letter from the chief of police and a business license in a file. And, you know, and I, I was thinking quietly to myself that, wow, that's some interesting Photoshop work. And uh, that was really my first experience. So I sat on the mayor, I sat on a board with the mayor. Um, and so I called Walter. This was in a town called Kelowna in British Columbia. And... Um, you know, he knew these guys by name and, and that was, I was floored. So that was my first experience, you know, read up on the program, you know, got onto Health Canada's website, started to educate myself and, and became the landlord um, to, to some guys with a medical collective. Um, and then from there, you know, it, it's just sort of grown into plant food company, uh, lighting business, um, you know, two private equity funds in the cannabis space. And then you know, it's what, what drove us to start Vitalis Extraction Technology. Yeah, and Vitalis itself started out of a, a business need, right? It wasn't just you happen upon thinking, I need to build some extraction technology. It was a critical need in the business as it developed. Absolutely. And, and you know, I mean, I, I don't, just for, for all the listeners as well, you know, I'm, I don't know anything about the, the cultivation aspect of the business. And I you know, and I like it that way. We are, we are certainly specialists in after it's been grown and dried and then, you know, turning it into products. That's, that's really where we focus. And, and I believe in being specialists and, and not generalists. So um, we were invested in that area of the market, um, 
you know, we were investing in good management teams, good science teams. And, you know, if they wanted this machine or that machine, we would write a check and, and they would go out and buy it. But it, it became very problematic, troubling to, to watch. There were consistent issues in, with, with some of the equipment. There were consistent issues getting service on the equipment. And we couldn't share knowledge or IP or SOPs on, on different machines, right? We may have a spare pump for that one, but it didn't work on, um, you know, on another machine. So really, I went out to standardize all of our investments to one platform. And, and after getting a really chilly response from the people we were buying equipment from, you know, I went to a friend of mine who was a very bright engineer in the oil and gas industry. And I asked James, hey, could you build me five of these? And, you know, we kind of had a, a rough idea of what we needed. We had some customization we wanted to it. And he asked me what, what kind of pressure. And, you know, I, I don't come out of the manufacturing world. He was in the oil and gas world. And I said three to 5,000 PSI. And he said, oh, cute. And I, I <laughs> you know, I, I laughed and I said, well, tell, tell me about that. And he goes, Joel, we build hydraulics at 50,000 PSI. We build half ton extraction machines. And, you know, if it doesn't work 24-7, Shell, BP, SO, you know, we'll get fired. And yeah. I thought, wow, that is a refreshing expertise that we need in this industry. And, uh, you know, and, and, and the idea was born. Joel, you know, you raised an interesting point in your, uh, in just a moment ago, and that had to do with specialization, focus, and also verticalization. And in jurisdictions like some in the States, like Florida, companies are forced to be completely vertical in that they handle the product from essentially from seed to the point the consumer picks it up off the store shelves. Whereas in other areas, companies are able to focus on what they do best, just like you do in extraction, some do in grow, some do in other areas. Is there any advantage you're seeing uh, with the complete verticalization or is that something which is going to become like a dinosaur quickly and fade into the uh, past? You know, from, from the advantage standpoint, um, I, I mean, you can find a couple. It's, there, there are probably far more disadvantages from being capitally intensive and, you know, just being able to try and find an expert of each of those domains to work within one company. And, um, you know, there, there's probably a longer list of detriments to that model, but advantages, I mean, you know, having the control over supply of your biomass, understanding what's coming into your extraction lab because you were involved in its production. Um, and then, you know, just quality, consistency, and if you have the cash being able to scale, um, you know, you have a little bit more control over that. You know, when you're, when you're building a brand and, and you're all of a sudden there's a shortage of consistent biomass coming into your extraction lab, that can seriously affect your outputs. So when you're in control of all of those pieces, if you have the money and the experts in the room, I guess one of the advantages would be control. But uh, I, I, I personally, you know, my investment thesis would, would tick more boxes on the, on the detriment in that model. Let's come back to that after the break and going to break with Joel Sherlock from Vitalis. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Doc Rob. 
the concierge for better living. My guests say, Razzie Berry, we're talking about nature, naturopathic medicine, as well as the concept of prevention and preventing disease. Empower people to live a naturopathic lifestyle, get to know your body, understand its rhythms, remove toxins, and use natural alternatives whenever possible. 90 to 95% of cancers are due to environment and lifestyle risk factors. That's a huge number. That means that cancer is preventable. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business and cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Hi, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I have Hernanda Umana joining me. We're just both so fascinated with how much we've learned since we've been in this pet industry and creating an all-natural product. Because it's a dog's life. I am a huge fan of my guest today, Dr. Bob Goldstein. I have, in my experience, not seen many natural substances produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success, Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back to the Green Peak with Joel Sherlock from Vitalis. So, Joel, we're, just before the break, we're talking about uh, some of the focus issues, and you touched upon investment criteria. Mm-hmm. You know, your background being in uh, real estate, but then in extraction and dealing with the verticalized businesses in many areas, what's too many areas for you as an investor to, to invest in? In terms I, you of know what, what businesses doing, what how many businesses are doing too much? I mean, I, I think there's a lot. I mean, if if I look at the the scale at which we've grown on Vitalis, right, where we are an OEM, so unique to us, unlike many of the competitors, where we manufacture everything, every piece that goes into our equipment, with the exception of like some electric motors that we we might buy or valves that we purchase. You know, we manufacture everything, so we have control over everything that goes through. Um, you know, we, we look at ourselves like a partner to our customers, and, and if we can solve the bottlenecks they're running into, um, then, then we're a better partner. We're innovating technology based on the problems that the people on the front lines are, are having. Um, I just find it would be very noisy and very hard if we were trying to do that with all bottlenecks in a facility from how do we design the best grow light to the best HVAC unit to the best distillation machine, pen filler, 
and extraction machines. You know, I just think at, at some point it becomes too much for any team, no matter how sophisticated. So being able to laser focus down onto just the extraction step and then leaving our ancillary team to sell the other equipment that's not manufactured by us. So, you know, we know that every one of our customers is going to need a grinder, but there are really some incredible manufacturers of those products. So we, we don't play in that space, right? We work with the best in class grinders. We make what we feel is the best in class extraction equipment. And then distillation, pen filling, solvent recovery, all of those other steps, we work with best in class manufacturers to do that. Yeah, and I think you know your hypothesis is exactly the same as ours. You can't be exceptional at everything. In fact, you can really be exceptional at very few things. And then you build out from there by finding other exceptional partners and to work with each specializing in their own area. Otherwise, you just got a, a lot of mediocrity. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, nobody wins out of that. So, you know, your equipment, the Vitalis equipment you've been dealing with extraction for a few years now and it debates even two years ago, everybody was arguing, well, is CO2 better than ethanol? And people weren't focused on really what's the purpose of the product and what, who are you marketing it to? And it got to be really all over the place, but there's also the business calculation of what system is right, where you are in the world. And what are some trends you're seeing that you think are going to affect the market in 12 and 18 months with regards to absolutely i mean i I think it'll be even faster than that but but like we have a very unique oversight because we are the largest supplier of co2 equipment to this industry globally right we're on five continents we have offices in europe latin america canada and the us um you know we see different trends in these markets we've learned lessons from what went well in canada what went poorly what went well in California, Oregon, Washington, also what went poorly in all of those markets, how things have grown in Colombia and how things are, are starting to go and, and grow in, in, in different member states of the EU. Um, you know, all of that is, there's a lesson to be learned from each of those areas, right? The lab in California that's making half a million vape cartridges a month is definitely not EU GMP certified but the bottlenecks they're running into, you will run into in your EU GMP lab. And so a lot of times people look at these business models as siloed or or think that there's nothing they can learn from these other jurisdictions. And I mean, I I would challenge people in that where I I think anyone who's doing extraction, no matter how different it may be from, from your business model, you know, you can learn something from them. But, but you definitely touched on it's the output product that you're looking to make that's going to drive what is the best uh, extraction method. You know, one yeah. thing we advise is, is the only thing that's guaranteed when we move forward in, in, in this ever evolving market is change. So, you know, when, when people in California went in and put in huge distillate factories that did one thing exceptionally well, make really, really potent distillate, and now distillate prices fell from you know the sky highs that we saw to where they currently sit. Now all of a sudden, broad spectrum or full spectrum extracts, live resins, all of these other products come in. So if you don't have flexibility in your equipment 
or wide operating parameters so that you can make a wide variety of products, you essentially have an expensive paperweight and you have to start over again. And, and so, you know, looking at and planning for flexibility and change, I think would probably be the most important piece. Oh, it's huge. And I think, you know, planning perspective, you were telling me a story over uh, dinner and I think it was Palm Springs, if I remember <laughs> correctly, where there's a huge tax on ethanol or on solvents, yep. which doesn't exist elsewhere. And companies were making decisions to buy equipment without taking the time to actually study the, you know, it's not just the upfront equipment, it's the operating cost and all of the other factors. How often does, how, how do you help out with that? Well, I think in, in each market as well, and, and, and on a lot of the fractured businesses and cash businesses of, you know, the, the United States of cannabis, um, you know, you run into a different mindset there. And, and really, we have to help people walk through what's CapEx versus OpEx, right? I mean, if a CO2 machine is 450000 and an ethanol machine is 150,000, which one's going to be better for your needs? You know, where, you know, if you're in a market like Palm Springs, where, you know, you, you're no longer allowed to buy denatured ethanol. So they want the full tax, which can get quite costly. Ethanol is going to be a solvent you're consuming. You can reclaim quite a bit of it, but not all of it. So if you're extracting with ethanol at scale, you know, you're going to be losing some of that solvent. The more expensive that solvent, the more expensive that consumable. So you're, you're trading sometimes saving money up front to just spending more money every month to, to make it work. And when there's downward price compression on margins, you know, it's, it's the total spend uh, that, that you have to look at. It is, it is. And, and, you know, the total spend for people has to factor in, um, you know, the maintenance time, the downtime, the the solvent or whatever is being used, and the the staff because, you know, you have different access to personnel of different trainings in different regions of the world, and it's yeah. the, you know it's not a buy as you touched on, you know, a machine itself or a piece of equipment, there could be a difference of a few hundred thousand dollars for equipment at the at the forefront appears to produce the same amount of output. But it's the operating costs in between and the ability for you to keep it at 100% uptime that varies depending on your location. And are, you exactly. noticing, are you noticing much in terms of how people are purchasing what they're purchasing varies geographically because of that? Or um, is it something people are going to be are only starting to become sophisticated about? So I, I think from the standpoint of cannabis processing, you know, that sophistication is still growing. We do see some regional differences in just the way the experts who are being brought on to teams. Um, so when, when you look at Europe has a lot of pharma expertise, you know, people who might have had experience in EU GMP labs and they want material traceability and, you know, they might be very sophisticated in, in purchasing pharma level equipment, but they don't understand the cannabis process. Whereas, you know, and, and this is a gross generalization, so please allow me the, the lenience, but in, in America or, or even in some of the experts in the Canadian market might have come out of very, very small facilities and then they've, that they bootstrapped together. And, and some of those guys are phenomenal entrepreneurs who really built a lot of this market. 
And now, you know, they've taken that and, and trying to scale up these small facilities, you know, that that's going to run into some challenges and not having cannabis expertise are going to run into some challenges, but very, very different challenges on, on either side. Um, what we really focus on is educating buyers uh, of equipment so that they can ask better questions because just, just because the extraction machine operates at a higher pressure so it can move faster is not necessarily better because you might be picking up more chlorophyll, which then has to be post-processed out in the next step. So, you, you know, you really need to look at all of the time and costs from step one to finished product to really assess each of those because you might be better off to spend a little bit more time in this step to save a whole bunch more time in, in, in another step, if that makes sense. No, it makes absolute sense. And I know it's a fact that a lot of people overlook as they're doing their analysis. And we, we've spent an inordinate amount of time going around trying to figure out each one of those parts of the process and trying to also look at it from the perspective of our customer and our customer isn't the same as somebody else's. And so right after the break, I'd like to touch more onto that area so coming back in a few minutes with Joel Sherlock from Vitalis. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. The cannabis industry is growing almost as fast as the cannabis and hemp being planted and harvested. Where, when, and how fast will the cannabis and hemp industries continue to climb? Who will be the people leading the charge into that promised land of profit? Let's pursue those answers and more with the Plant Profits. Welcome to another episode of Plant Profits. I am Bert Miller, your host. As you guys know, the purpose of this show is to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. Plant Profits, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. Back again with Joel Sherlock from Vitalis. Joel, 
you know, just before we're, the break, we're talking about some of the, uh, the, different, the different choices people have to make and the process by which they come to it. You know, as I was thinking about it just now, it reminds me of the development in, in a way of the digital marketing industry in the late 90s and through the 2000s, where in the late 90s, everybody would just say they're doing digital marketing. And then by 2001, 2003, really 2003, it started evolving. There was organic search and there was paid search and became two separate areas of the same industry, but they were both customer acquisition. And then later, closer to 2010, social media really developed, or 20, 2006, 2000, yeah, 2010, let's just say. Social media really developed, and there were three, you know, there were three pillars, and then content marketing, and all these different areas, and you can't hire a specialist in digital marketing today because it's which area. And mm -hmm. it used to be a jack of all trades, and now it's somebody with great specialization. And we're seeing this industry evolve incredibly rapidly in, uh, in many similar ways where two years ago, somebody did extraction, they did it all. But today, when we're looking at not just the decision of which equipment to acquire for the purpose of what's going to be most efficient for us as a business, but we also have to take a look at what is the output product in, in the perspective of our customer. Because, you know, in Canada... October 17 last year started opening up the rec market legally. Um, prior to that, it was purely a medical market, and there was a question of what the medical market needed. And today we look at it, and you know, there's the pharma market of medical, there's wellness, which is really going to hit in big ways, and there's the rec market, and what you're processing, how you're processing it, and the expectation is completely different, where you know the terpenes and flavonoids. Well, they don't matter to an API for pharma. Are you seeing that level of sophistication developing around the world? And is that some, what would you suggest to entrepreneurs to think about from that perspective as they're making their business decisions for developing their, their industry in the industry? Heavy question. Uh, <laughs> you know, big, big question. Um, you know, I guess going back to your, internet marketing analogy i think it's it's great i mean you know as as the consumer trends changed as to how they searched or what kind of info they wanted to consume you know so must the advertising side i, I think it's exactly the same in in the cannabis market right now where you know when when to to use a, a line from my friend alan you know when coffee came onto the market you know good coffee was strong coffee you know, somebody would say, well, how strong is that coffee? Okay, I'll take a cup. And, yep. and it took some time, but the coffee market is now single origin, organic roast, latte, you know, and, and, and a thousand other varieties and everyone has their favorite. You know, that's happening extremely quickly in, in the cannabis market. And then we also have regulatory changes, which drive massive shifts. And, you know, looking at this vape education that people are, are getting now and, and based on, you know, some tragic consequences of, you know, non-certified, non-tested materials, products, mixes, additives getting into that market. So the consumer is getting educated very, very quickly. And then thus, they're going to change their buying parameters also very, very quickly. And, and that is going to force 
you know, now if this is in season or that is in flavor or this is very popular or this is in huge demand, you have to be able to make it to stay relevant and competitive. Absolutely. And, you know, but even taking that a step further with what you're saying, everybody is concerned about doctor and physician education because mm -hmm. on, you know, from the one perspective, it's how does the patient learn how to use the product? But at the same time, you know, people in roles such as ourselves are also having to educate the producers or of the, of the product in terms of suitability of the ingredient for the outcome purpose, and we're learning about it. Absolutely. And, you know, a pharma company wants a, wants a molecule that they can encapsulate, and the patient takes twice a day, and the physicians have been trained for you know, time, time over decades about they want to be able to prescribe X milligrams of a product. Which Take two, call me in the morning. Exactly. And that's the antithesis yeah. of where our industry is coming from. Now, well, we need to bridge those gaps. I mean, the pharma level API is, is, is a different conversation um, or a challenging conversation because, you know, in order and, and by definition, that is identically the same every time. When we talk about the broad spectrum or, or all of the valuable parts of the plant, you know, that varies. That varies at a level that is very uncomfortable for them. And also the, the knowledge around are some of these terpenes, monoterpenes, flavonoids, cannabinoids, whatever it may be, are some of those increasing absorption are some of those blocking something thus changing the effect right when we look at billy caldwell who you know the very famous uh case from the uk where you know mom was getting cbd for her son who had uh you know gervais syndrome i believe it was yep. I, I could be incorrect there but you know he was having seizures he was on a broad spectrum oil then they got him legally onto an isolate after some you know, large challenges with border force in the UK. Um, but the isolate was not helping. And then they got him onto a broad spectrum oil, which would have some variation in it. And it was helping. So, you know, the, the result is what the parent was looking for. Right. But, you know, the broad spectrum was the only thing that got her that result, but that's going to have variation because it's a naturally grown product. So it, it poses some unique challenges, many of which I don't have all the answers to, but it's an incredible time to be in the industry and, and working through this with some of the top experts. Yeah, no, it's, it's an incredible time for all of us in the industry because it's exploding in every direction. And it doesn't matter where your area of interest is, there's an opportunity for you. And this mm -hmm. type of dynamic evolution uh, usually comes along once in, you know, in generations. And we're fortunate to be living in a period where there's been two of these explosions and opportunities for innovators to really flex their muscle and express themselves. And uh, that's incredibly exciting for, I think, people around the world because the education and the opportunity is massive. Um, before we end, one piece of advice you like to share with every entrepreneur that you meet who's embarking on the journey. I, you know, I, I'd, I'd go back to a point I made earlier. I mean, I think no matter, you know, if someone has been in this industry for 
five months or five years, I think there's something to be learned. Like be, be open to hearing the lessons they've learned and the mistakes they've made. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily dictate how you need to build your business, but being open to learning from those who have been out in the market, made mistakes, wasted money, um, you know, I think will, will help us move forward, right? In, invest and, and if you're an investor, invest in smart people. If you're building a team, you know, we hire smart people so they can tell me what to do, not so I can tell them what to do. And that's, that's been a, a big driver of our success. Yeah, no, I agree. I think a different way of saying it is listen, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Because, you know, very few ideas are really original, but listen to what people have done, tried, failed at, because failure is good. Failure is a learning, learning exercise. And uh, that's what leads to success. I've failed miserably many, many times to get to a successful place. And uh, <laughs> We can't be afraid of failure because if you are, you're afraid of success even more so. So, Joel, Joel, somebody who wants to learn more about the uh, Vitalis systems and the extraction equipment, what URL should they visit? Yeah, so we're, we can be found at VitalisET, as in extractiontechnology.com. So V-I-T-A-L-I-S-E-T.com. Fantastic. So thanks for joining the uh, Green Peak uh, show today, Joel. I look forward to having you on again in the future. And uh, welcome our listeners' uh, feedback and comments and uh, engaging this conversation uh, again on another day. Thank you. Thanks, Joel. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.